my name is Owen Walsh, and you're listening to the latest episode of Cabin Fever. Less a podcast than a group therapy session for writers, brewers, and friends from around the world who like to enjoy a beer together, but can't for now. There's a lot going on in the world right now, and under normal circumstances, we'd get together in the pub and thrash out our ideas over a beer or two. But we can't, because most of us now live in countries where it's impossible to go outside, never mind nip around the corner for a drink. We'd love to hear from listeners out there how you're getting on, what you're doing to cope, and what you're drinking. So feel free to get in touch on social media. You can find me at Owen Walsh, or you can send me an email at owen at beercity.brussels. I'd love to hear from you. And that's it. Enjoy the episode. I'm delighted to be joined on the latest episode of Cabin Fever by three very special guests. In fact, this is a bit of a reunion for us. Um, all four of us this evening on the show are regular contributors to Belgian Beer and Food magazine. So firstly, we have Brendan Kearney, um, founder of Belgian Smack, co-founder of Seafood Brewery, award-winning beer writer for Good Beer Hunting and others. Hi, Brendan. Good evening, Owen. How's things? Good, good. Um, we're also joined tonight by Cliff Lucas, photographic contributor to Belgian Beer and Food magazine. Hi, Cliff. Hey, Owen. Thanks for having me on. And uh, last but not least by John Riga, um, Political Europe's financial services editor, but also a moonlighting beer writer. How are you, John? Very well. Very well. Thanks, Owen. I might dispute which is the real avocation and which is the moonlighting, but uh, hello. <laughs> um, we can definitely get into how you're dividing up your time now, um, that probably mostly financial services is is, is taking the lead. But uh, as usual, at the beginning of the show, the first thing we do is go around the room and ask how everybody's doing and what they're drinking. John, since you just went last, maybe you can go next. How are you doing and what are you drinking? Uh, I'm very well, thanks. No, I appreciate it. The, uh, I have to say I have, um, I have things, you know, um, I have it very easy. I have a comfortable place to live. Um, you know, my family, everyone, loved ones, everyone is well. And I don't have any little nippers around the house, so it's easy. Okay. I just have to look after myself. And the day job's been really busy, which is a, a blessing. You know, it's it's a curse sometimes when you want to, when you'd like to be knocking off work and it's sort of, you know, the weekend and getting into the evening, but, uh, you know, on the whole, much better to be busy. So, and, and, and to be able to do it from home. And what are you drinking? Uh, so tonight, um, I couldn't think of something more me to be drinking than an old Orval, something that's been sitting in my cellar for about four years. Um, so uh, cheers to everyone. How's it tasting four years on? Ah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's still very, you know, full of Orval character. It's got that, uh, I mean, it just, it looks gorgeous. looks like it's just, you know, the day it came out of the brewery. And I'd say the, you know, that, that kind of Brett note has sort of been tamped down. And so the funk has turned into like kind of a deep complexity. It's just, uh, yeah, it's fantastic. I would say it's maybe a little past peak, but it's uh, still drinking beautifully. Uh, Brendan, how are you doing and what are you drinking? I'm good. I'm drinking uh, a beer called Arabir from uh, the Dollabrowers, which is um, uh, located in a kind of a, a small village uh, called Aisin outside the town of Dixmude in the west hook of Belgium, kind of up near the, the, the channel close to the northwest of France. And um, it's uh, it's kind of a strong, I, I, it's one of those beers that defies, you know, description. It's kind of a strong, blonde, it's dry hopped with hop flowers and um, you know, it's produced in a, in a brewery that has, um, you know, some equipment that dates back to 1836. They're still using a cool ship. They have a Bodolo cooler. So part of the cooling is done with exposure to oxygen. They're, they have these tiny fermentation rooms where, where there are no sort of, it's just an open fermentation and they're pitching yeast in there, which, you know, sometimes contains cultures of lactobacillus. Uh, it's just kind of uh, this batshit crazy brewery 
led by a pretty eccentric guy called Chris Hetelier. And the beer is, you know, pouring with a big, beautiful fuck off ice cream pillowy head. And, uh, <laughs> it's delicious. It's really dry. It's, um, you know, got a wee bit of the ester sort of fruit going on. And it's got this kind of spicy profile too. So um, I'm really enjoying it. Um, good. Yeah. And how, how are things? Things are good. It's been a kind of a, a crazy year. Um, you know, obviously with the coronavirus, but just in, in kind of personal health terms as well. You know, we had a bit, a lot of changes last year in the family. Myself, and my wife um, had our first uh, child who's now kind of one year old. And um, we also bought a house. So there were two kind of uh, exciting, but at times stressful events uh, changed our lives. And then the start of this year, um, just at the end of February, I was struck down with another virus. Uh, this one was meningitis. So I was basically in hospital for the guts of a week in sort of incredible pain and really dizzy, a lot of headaches. And um, I, um, you know, I was kind of on morphine and stuff. And, and that, that has taken a few months for me to kind of get over and get back to, yeah. to a situation where kind of I'm feeling feeling sort of back to myself again. But, you know, the, la- the last few days that, that I was in the hospital, I was, you know, able to eat again and I was able to communicate a little bit again. And I, I put on the TV and it was just at the exact time that, the COVID-19 coronavirus disease was breaking out in Belgium. And I I could see on the news that, you know, there was this kind of, this news cycle that wouldn't break and every, it was just talking about infections and deaths. And then, you know, I would see the doctors coming in to, to speak to me about my like, lumbar puncture and like my virus. And then their process was changing as well. And they were starting to talk about coronavirus and changing the way they, they did. So I was kind of like, what, world am i coming out to here and <laughs> the last, the last yeah. one of the last days i was in the hospital as well my my wife came to visit me and uh, she came with her, her father and they were in a serious car accident on the way to the hospital to visit me so i kind of didn't learn about this until much later in the day and at the time my wife was pregnant this is kind of end of february so thankfully now they're they they both walked away with cuts and bruises and and, and were fine the car was completely totaled and, you know, it was, it was, you know, we couldn't use it again. Um, so it was a serious accident, but, you know, everything was okay. But it's just been with that and a whole bunch of other stuff that's happened in the last two months. It's been a very strange year. And we're, we're, we're obviously social distancing. We're, we're living in a bubble here where we haven't really seen anybody. Um, my wife is a teacher, so she's, you know, dealing with the kind of the challenges of doing things online and learning about, you know, dealing with students and preparing and, and and kind of I'm I'm lucky enough to be in the situation where you know I I'm in furlough so I'm on partial salary um so my kind of role is to help out with you know dealing with childcare and um but that that's all kind of put things in perspective and I have some family members who are uh, working in the health uh, in the health sector and you know doctors and nurses and, and my wife in Belgium here as well and you know I've spoken to those guys on the phone and they're in a really stressful situation dealing with like so, so many things that they've never seen before. And like, you know, obviously wanting those people to be safe and seeing, you know, how easy I've got it sort of being at home and being, being with my close family, you know, that does put things into perspective. Um, yeah. We have like my, my, my parents, you know, and, and the <clears throat> parents are, you know, obviously vulnerable because they're a bit older, but you know, Elisa's mm. mother is a cancer survivor and, there are long issues in 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 our with our parents as well, which gives them maybe a, a little bit more of a vulnerability. So 
you know, I just want to kind of take the time right now to, to spend it with the family and and have a bit of perspective and basically just drink Arab beer from the Dollar Brothers and, you know, uh, sort of reflect on that bizarre start to 2020. Yeah, well, we're delighted to be able to have you on and to share share the beer with you, even if we're not drinking it ourselves. Um, it feels a bit trite after all of that, but I'm going to ask Cliff how he's doing and what he's drinking. <laughs> yeah, I... Uh... I'm doing well. I think the last time Brenda and you and I spoke, it was right on the heels of all of that. So glad you are safely on the other side of it all. But, Thanks, Cliff. Uh, no, I'm I'm doing well. Um, you know, I think Belgium has probably seen its best weather over the past seven or eight weeks that it's seen in recent years. So that's definitely helped the transition into staying home all day long. Um, but uh, as for what I'm drinking, uh, I've got my wife actually helping me with a bottle of Back to Black from Durank. Um, one of my favorites from those guys. And uh, yeah, I actually had to look it up, but it's a porter that they aged on fooders for nine months and did not know that uh, it was brewed for Motor Lambic's 10th anniversary. So um, at nine and a half percent, I definitely need a little help with it. But if this chat goes any longer, I've got a fridge full of Littermitage cans and some atrium bottles. So I'm all set, Owen. I was just going to say, I also have a bottle of atrium in front of me, but I am drinking I, I thought i would go for something light and refreshing and it just arrived today uh, a delivery from fermentings a shop in brussels a cascade hopped cider um but it turns out it's not actually that light because it's seven and a half percent which is <laughs> strong for a monday night it's from ramborn which is a luxembourg-based cider company and uh yeah for me things are good uh, the sun is still shining even if it's a little bit colder today than it was yesterday in brussels but can't complain that much Brennan, I was going to ask you, like, have you, with the illness um, and everything that you've gone through at the beginning of the year, I guess you haven't been as much involved in the brewery than you would have expected. And have you, were you able to go back before you went on furlough or was it very much sort of just a sort of, you were still convalescing at home? I was kind of there in, in, in person and not really in body. Um, you know, I'm, I'm keeping close contact with uh, my two colleagues, Franklin Verdonk and uh, Matthias Desteckert. Um, You know, the, the situation really is that because the bars and restaurants, you know, are, are totally inactive at the minute, you know, the, the, the market is pretty non-existent and, yeah. you know, we, we had to take a decision to, um, basically stop production and, um, you know, just deal with, you know, whatever we can deal with. Um, you know, I think it's the same with a lot of, a lot of, a lot of breweries, um, you know, that I've been speaking to as well. Um, it, it's what, what has surprised me or not really surprised me. What I've noticed is that how, badly Belgian breweries are set up for uh, retail or direct to customer and especially for mm. online. Um, I was talking just in a, in a, in a phone conversation with um, Garel Verhaa from uh, Brewery Verhaa, who are, who are the brewery that produces Duchesse de Bourgogne, the, the, the famous O'Brown from, uh, from Victor. Um, and, you know, they were saying that they haven't really been able to do any um, retail or direct to consumer because they just, don't know how to go about setting it up and it takes time to do these things and they've completely been yeah. focused on horeca so that's a hospitality restaurant uh cafes and you know that's their that's their whole business so it, it just you know there's a i guess in in a way that other countries are more flexible belgians kind of um you know and, and even like if you just look at some of the websites of the breweries there, there, there <laughs> must be no hope that they're going to be able to put together an online shop which you know, has its own challenges. Um, so, you know, and, and, and 
one of the other things that you know from speaking to kind of the smaller younger breweries is that you know they're already in a situation many of them where they're living month to month in terms of meeting the bills paying rent yeah you know and, and, and that type of thing and i am pretty certain that this will you know have a massive impact on, on kind of maybe who's around you know in six months time but also how people do business um yeah and you know i have no idea how that will pan out but um it's it's something that's that's really interesting and it's not just the breweries because if you look at some of the cafes um especially the independent cafes who aren't sort of backed or owned by some of the family brewers um you know those guys are also you know living on the edge at times during the year yeah and all it takes is a few months where you know people can't visit the cafe at all and they still have outgoings and they're uncertain there's uncertainty about you know about um what government support they're going to be able to get um and you know you might see some of those cafes disappearing or falling into the hands of those with more money so i mean i think this whole thing is going to change um and, and you know obviously there's going to be a, a, a there's going to be some change over the next 18 months and, and we're going to have to be dealing with this responsibly for a while but i think you know in in the shakedown in the next sort of two years there's going to be big changes in the whole of belgian brewing scene yeah i feel cliff john i don't know if if, if you'd echo this um I feel like living in Brussels is a little bit of a bubble to that extent because, I mean, here now at this point, however many, what are we, two months into lockdown, pretty much all of the breweries have set up some sort of web service or um, pre-order service or delivery service. But it did take them a good chunk of time. But even then, I feel like that's almost the exception because I look around to, to other breweries, newer breweries, as you were talking about, Brendan, very few are going in that direction. And as you said, I mean, the, the track record of a lot of Belgian breweries online is not fantastic. Most of them don't have a very extensive footprint. And I don't know, is that a generational thing or not? But I, I, do, I do worry, and as you, were, as you were saying about cafes as well, I do worry about some of the newer bars that have opened up in the city, how much more of this that they can take. For some, yeah, look is grim for some of these guys. And it's been a struggle to get kind of like government support programs kind of like actually out into the, uh, you know, to the, to the companies they're intended to, to help. It's always going to be this kind of, you know, teething concerns and the, you know, smaller companies are usually the least well set up for it. I guess, uh, you know, the only upside I can think of is, you know, some of these, uh, some of the newer providers in Brussels, um, uh, you know, they've actually, Maybe because they're smaller, they had, uh, you know, they could be a, a little more nimble in some ways and do a little bit more personal touch, um, like you know, shops where that are not set up for online purchases. But you know, you can email the owner and then he shows up at your house that night with a box. So you know, maybe there's some potential upside there. But you know, on the whole, it's it's not a great picture. Yeah, and I was just going to say that I think if you talk to a lot of these breweries, that you know, a web shop was probably on that to-do list that was getting a little dusty and this just kind of you know forced the issue um because i mean fr from my perspective as work is you know definitely kind of dwindled down as a, as a freelance photographer taking product shots for web shops has been something that you know i can do from home with products that get delivered and so it's good to see that you know this kind of newer approach to to direct to consumer is finally kind of taken hold and i think you know, quickly they'll see the results and, you know, kind of, kind of put that into, into practice moving forward. So 
I think it's a positive. I, I really do. Yeah, well, who knows how it's going to end up. But um, Cliff, you said work has pretty much dropped off. And Brendan, you're um, on furlough, as you said. But John, you're still working daily as a journalist. How is that working out for you right now? Well, it's been, you know, it's been a blessing to be busy, that's for sure. Uh, certainly, you know, it's nice to have the distraction. It's been actually even even busier than the norm because, you know, my day job is worrying about, uh, you know, European politics and, and policy and the economy and things like this. And, you know, this it's been very much in the news. It has cut into my um, sort of, you know, thinking about beer time, though. That's the downside. How much do you miss going out and about uh, doing interviews with people, visiting bars and breweries? Very much, obviously. It's... Um, you know, I have to say, I felt like I didn't do nearly enough of that sort of thing before, you know? Uh, and so now this is just making me, uh, yeah, I'm just um, looking forward to it all, all the more, I would say. It's nice to be able to, you know, talk to people. and We've all found new ways to kind of socialize and, um, and that's all great. And I hope we kind of, you know, keep some of that. But, you know, the human connection, the kind of serendipitous discussion where, you know, maybe you're sitting in across the bar from someone and you intended to ask about, you know, some particular beer and then something else comes out and you didn't even know to ask about. That's that's the kind of thing we're missing, I think. Uh, Brendan, I wanted to come back to you because, I mean, you, you had your sort of 28 days later experience of, wait, of you know, being in a hotel, being in a, being in a hospital as a, as a global pandemic is, um, I know people say that global pandemic is a tautology, but I'll keep, keep saying it. Um, that as a pandemic um, starts to spread across the world, Defining yourself, you know, a couple of months later at home, cocooning with the family. How, I mean, looking on the positive side of things, how has that experience been for you to, to be able to be at home and to sort of plug out from either the writing or the brewery or, or, or both of them? Uh, yeah, it's been, it's been, you know, at times wonderful because, you know, you get to spend time with your, you know, one-year-old son that you probably wouldn't have had before because you're prioritizing other things and you're very busy. You know, you're, you're, you're playing music with them. You're going for walks. You're spending a little more more time at you know meal times. Um, you're doing more nappies. That's for sure. You're doing more nappies. You're doing more uh, nursing when they're crying. And um, so you know there's there's ups and downs and swings and roundabouts. But um, yeah, I mean you know it's interesting what 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 Cliff and, and John were saying there about um, you know focusing on on photography and and reporting and stuff because you know that has also you know apart from production and brewery side that has really i think dried up as well and you know where, where john's doing the financial stuff i'd be interested to hear how you know different or how challenging it is to do, be doing reporting where you can't have that face-to-face relationship with subjects or it's just a little bit more difficult to kind of meet people to discuss things um you know that's one thing i've been thinking about when i'm when, when i have a bit of time to you know uh, do some research or reporting or writing is you know you need the color of the place that you visit and you need the yeah the, the 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 relationship that you can build up especially when you're dealing with belgians who are you know sometimes second or third language is english and you know in order to get you know to make them feel comfortable and to you know have them kind of talk openly with you uh, over the phone or on a zoom call can be quite difficult so um, you know i just want and, and you know for cliff as well it's a physical you need to physically be out there you know taking taking you know photographs looking at the light looking at the places looking at the people and you know i'd be interested to see how how different it is uh trying to do those things now yeah i mean i i'd say you, you can't obviously you can't shoot on location when you're on a, a stay-at-home order so that answers part of it um but no i mean luckily for me you know a good part of my work is social media management and so 
it's helping breweries and coffee shops communicate kind of the, the state of things that seem to change day by day. Um, but yeah, I mean, what I, what I love doing is obviously getting out with my camera, getting into breweries, getting into places I've never been before. And yeah, longing, longing for the days when that can return. Um, I did get to sneak out recently and do some filming um, down at the truck, which was my first time there. So that was, that was super cool to see. Um, but no, I mean, yeah, John, I'm interested to hear from your perspective, but as a photographer taking pictures, yeah, it's kind of on hold for the moment. Yeah. That's got to hurt a Detroit. That's a beautiful place to look at. So, uh, oh, it's amazing. I, yeah. I, I wonder if, you know, Cliff, when you're sort of, when you get a chance to get back out there, you're going to have, you know, maybe you'll notice things that might've escaped your eye before, you know, maybe there's some, some upside. And when you're trying to do things, uh, remotely, the only, um, upside that uh, we've been joking about in my office is that, uh, you know, people aren't in meetings. They're, you can get them in an email or if you know mobile numbers, they'll, they'll pick up because they're, uh, they're, you know, the people, at least in sort of the white collar sphere, I'm sort of uh, working in people are, you know, more or less um, just sitting at home in front of the computer. I have to say that's something I was picking up a couple of interviews from a, from a piece that I don't know if ever will be published. Um, not that I've written it yet. And the guy emailed basically said, you can call me anytime. I have nothing else to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but are you, are, are you finding that too, Owen, that, you know, I had some, some sort of stories in the pipeline and, you know, the people that were going to publish those basically said, look, we need to, we need to press pause on those. Have you had that with, with people that you're working with? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and notices that, that people aren't accepting pitches anymore um, is another one. It's just if if people aren't shifting focus to talk about COVID nineteen and whatever whatever context it has in the different sector you're working in, they're saying we don't have the money to pay for any new work right now. So the only work I'm working on now is pre existing commissions that predate actually predate the new year that I've just been too lazy to write. No, I was just going to a question that I'm curious about is that you know I'm obviously out here in the shticks in West Flanders and you guys are all based in you know, the, the bustling city of Brussels. And I was just wondering, you know, you mentioned that Brussels kind of feels like a bubble. I'm, you know, here it's very quiet. I'm just wondering when you do go out for your exercise or your, um, or your kind of shopping or whatever, do you notice that, you know, that it's, it's, it's completely dead or is there, you know, some tension or really? I, I'd say so. I don't know about Owen and, and John, your experiences, but I'm, I'm in San Gilles, so just south of the, the Brussels Center. And if I take my bike out on a Saturday afternoon, there, there's no way you would know that there was a global pandemic going on. Um, and that's before, I guess, what, this Monday when uh, restrictions were somewhat eased. So, yeah, I think we need, we need a little better response to the uh, seriousness of the situation yeah, I mean, seriously, it's like uh, I mean, some of the parks that uh, you know I like to go walking in. I've just stayed out of them because they're so full. That I mean, I'm not paranoid about um, you know picking up sort of stray germs from people, but just it just seems so crowded. I feel like uh, okay, I'll stay out one one fewer person in there. So yeah, exactly. It's been you know in the in kind of the straight in something that just strikes me about sort of being a foreigner in Belgium is how. At times when it is quiet, it doesn't feel like that strange to us because, well, you know, here we have, you know, Sunday, everything being closed to kind of, you know, you're sort of used to the feeling of, you know, these, some really quiet days on the street. But on the other hand, when the weather is nice, the entire world is outside. So 
uh, yeah, it certainly hasn't been hasn't been dead. We're gonna have to come out and see you, Brendan. We need to uh, we need a little bit of space in there. Oh, air. guys, guys, when this is all over, come out. Please. We'll come out to my house. And we'll go into into my cellar, and we'll just destroy the place. <laughs> I th- I think what the two guys were saying is right, and there's also I think there's been a slackening, and I think that's inevitable. Um, yeah. Whether that's because yeah. people are getting tired of it or the indications that people are getting is that it's getting better. Um, now, obviously, that doesn't necessarily mean that we, that restrictions should loosen. I'm not going to get into that. I'm not an epidemiologist or a politician. But I have seen, uh, even just today, as Cliff was saying, um, for those who are listening outside of Belgium, uh, today was the day when shops reopened for the first time, and I did notice more traffic on the streets uh, today. Something that we've been asking guests has been, you know, the thing that either you're missing or the place that you're missing, the thing that you've noticed in the last two months that, that you've sort of latched onto as something to look forward to, a place you want to go, a beer you want to drink. Um, has anything like that been at the forefront of either of the three of yours minds in the last few weeks? We just received our uh, member box from Antidote. And uh, so not only have we been Luckily, enjoying our way through that a little bit, but uh, I I can't wait for the next visit out to Tom's farm. I've never never not enjoyed myself headed out to Cordenockin. So, whenever he's allowed to have a, a small gathering in his backyard, I will I will gladly make the trip. Uh, quick plug: the mention of antidote. Uh, you can learn more about it in my piece that's being published at Pellicle on Wednesday. Um, and that's the only self-promotion I'll do on the show. Uh, <laughs> First else. of all, on, on Antidote, I want to say as well, you're going to really enjoy those bottles because the stuff that Tom is producing is 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 excellent. And, uh, you know, so it, it's always exciting when you can yeah. when you can get one of his bottles. Um, no, I think there's two things that I kind of miss. Um, one is the fact that, you know, myself and Elisa are both, I guess, you could call ourselves family people. Um, we kind of visit our families a lot. My my parents and my brothers would come over uh, from Ireland quite a lot to visit. And of course, you know, they're in lockdown. They're social distancing. They're in their own houses and apartments. They can't leave. Um, they can't fly. Um, my uh, wife is pregnant and we're expecting a child uh, in a few months. We don't know whether it, it will be they will be in a position to come over and be with us at that time. I don't even know what the situation will be with me in the hospital about, you know, who's going to be permitted to be where. Um, so I guess the family aspect of it is something that, you know, um, it, it, I really miss. And the second thing is living in Belgium. One of the joys of living in Belgium is taking us, you know, a road trip for two hours and, you know, ending up in some weird little village. Uh, you don't even know what language they're speaking there. Uh, it could be German. It could be French. It could be Flemish. And you know, discovering a little cafe or some guy who has a, a, a small brewery, and you just kind of end up there for the evening, and you, you know, you discover this. That, that, you know, I, I kind of love those little trips where you're, you know, you're just discovering these weird characters and um, strange beers, and you know, I want to kind of get back on the road uh, to to do some of that when this is over, of course, in a responsible way. But, um, you know, that's something I miss, you know, living in Belgium. Yeah, never mind raiding your cellar. I definitely think a road trip is on the cards. <laughs> Belgium Beer and Food Magazine reunion exactly. road trip. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, what about you, John? 
Anything, anything that comes to mind? Oh, here, here to, to all the above for sure. I mean, uh, definitely want to, uh, got to make it out to Dama sometime, see Sifon again, maybe one of these years on the, on the week, uh, during a weekday when the restaurant's open. But, uh, uh, you know, I'd say the travel is a big thing for me and, you know, getting out and exploring the country is always something that, uh, you know, looking for excuses to do and it felt very, um, you know, while I'm very comfortable at home, definitely itching to sort of, you know, get out. Um, and then just, you know, locally, of course, uh, I was thinking about all the, you know, the great beer bars that were, that were basically overloaded with here and, um, you know, looking forward to, you know, to getting out there and revisiting, but it's something as simple as just the cafe at the gym where I get together once a week with a bunch of guys and, and play hockey. It's just the kind of, you know, that sort of like, you know, day to day, you don't even think of it as something special kind of interaction. That's going to be, that's going to be especially sweet. Yeah, I agree. I have to say, I mean, continuing on the thread of travel, because unfortunately I haven't darkened the door of a gym in a long time, <laughs> um, has been, I, I've, I've somehow have a yearning to go to Ireland, which is not something that I am familiar with. It's a strange, it's a strange feeling because I don't often go back. Uh, I don't have much family in Ireland anymore. Um, but something just struck me in the last few weeks, I think maybe it was because we had a couple of Irish-based guests on the show, just the, the desire to go back, get in a car, drive around, drink, eat, you know, be amongst people who speak English, I think is probably a big bonus. But just to be in a in a place that, even if I haven't lived there for a decade, is still so familiar. Let's just move really home, quite... Owen. Let's just move home and we'll write poetry. And, you know, <laughs> take, we'll... take me with you. <laughs> we'll walk we'll do long walks in the rain on on you know soggy mountain tops and you know it'll be beautiful yeah i mean well, yeah. i'm definitely coming I, to visit i've already i've got a plane ticket for june actually already so we'll see if that trip happens yeah and it's it, the, the weirdest thing is it maybe this is why but i was back in ireland in february the last week of february first week of march with my eldest my eldest daughter her first trip with the, the first trip of just the two of us traveling by ourselves her first trip as a sort of a properly a sentient being and I don't know, maybe that's, maybe that's it. Maybe I was just getting nostalgic for the old sod, you know. But uh, we're getting to the, towards the end of the show. And that means it's an opportunity for myself and my three guests to uh, gripe or praise uh, something that they've noticed, experienced, seen on social media, something that they've come across in the last week or two that's either encouraged them or irked them about the current situation. Um, but uh, yesterday, for those who don't know, in Belgium, was the first day when separate family groups living in different locations could come together um, in the one location, so long as they were keeping socially appropriate distance. Um, so we were delighted to have some family members in the back garden here for a couple of hours. And it was really nice to just talk to people who weren't, no disrespect to my wife or my children, but who, <laughs> who I don't see every single hour of the day. It was just so it felt so normal it was funny how something so normal felt so self-evidently normal but it was it was a really enjoyable uh sunday afternoon uh, what about you guys anything that you've noticed that you found strange or weird or annoying about lockdown or life in general in the last couple of weeks cliff what about you man i i feel like everything's been oddly normal on my side so nothing's really irked me um maybe i'll, I'll spin it around and say that i guess since the start of all this you know we've uh We've tried to have Zoom chats with friends, you know, maybe every week, every other week. Whereas before, you know, I might see some people every six or eight weeks. So I'll, uh, I'll turn it around to the positive and hopefully that, uh, you know, this, this continues past lockdown times where we can, uh, we can catch up more frequently than usual. But um, 
No, no real, no real social media irkings on my side. I'll say. Uh, social media irkings. That's that's what they're there for. That's uh, yeah. <laughs> the uh, well, I love your you know description, Owen, of just you know being in somewhat you know your friend's back garden or having your friends in your back garden. And I, I also got the the chance to do that. And um, yeah, it was really it was really nice. Actually, it really made us appreciate it. So maybe there's something to be said for that as well. Um, yeah. And I just noticed on the street that. I don't know, this is probably just perception, probably reflects my mood more than maybe, you know, anything sort of, you know, that's really happening in the world. But I had this perception that, you know, the early days of lockdown, you'd pass someone on the street, people would shuffle to the side or walk out, you know, off the off the sidewalk to get out of their way. And it's like you almost wouldn't look someone in the eye. It was almost like you were uh, sort of fearful of the other. And now... Of course, people, you still have to try to keep your distance, but uh, I don't know, it just seems more friendly. I'm, I'm nodding to the neighbors and, you know, at least saying bonjour again. So, Brendan, as a last one, do you have anything comes to mind? Yeah, I think, you know, what what, uh, what John was talking about, you know, the, the interactions with people have probably changed because we all kind of know we're in the same boat and, you know, um, y- you know, everyone's kind of the way they acknowledge each other, um, you know, we all don't want to die of a horrible disease and we're all trying to stay away from each other in order to help each other. Um, I've also, because mealtime is now, you know, not to be fit into half an hour or an hour, you, you know, you're able to spend a bit more time thinking about what you're eating and, and enjoy your meal with your, your family and stuff. Um, but I guess the main thing for me is that is what I said at the start is the appreciation of, you know, my own situation and the positive things that I have in my life the the appreciation i have for the people who are on the front line because this thing's not over yet and you know there are so many stories i've heard uh difficult situations where people have lost someone and not been able to go to a funeral you know uh, mm-hmm. i i live close to a village where when i walk to the bakery i pass an old people's home and there are people you know right up against the window on their phones with their their parents or you know with, with kids like trying to communicate with people that you know can't leave there and some of them are in tears and, you know, that's a difficult situation. So, you know, I, I just want to be appreciative for what I have and, um, you know, hope that we can all do the right thing here. And, you know, at times it can be frustrating when you listen to certain stories from other countries or in Belgium or from the the leadership of certain other countries, um, <laughs> which, which may or not, may or may not be, the United Kingdom and may or, may or may not be the United States, but you know, you, you have to just roll with the punches here and try to do everything that you can do to make sure that those vulnerable to you and the rest of society is as safe as possible and appreciate those things and those people around you in life that, you know, that make life kind of worth living. I think that's a, a hugely positive, hopeful point on which to end the show. It's been really fantastic um, to have you guys on um, I'm delighted that we could even though we're living in the same country um, have a chat share a beer remotely or otherwise um, I am looking forward to drinking Brendon Cellar dry and then taking to the road to visit all the brown cafes of the West Hook at some point maybe over Christmas who knows um, but for now uh, I'm going to wrap it up before we go I'll ask the three guys if you have anything that you guys want to plug um, where people can find work that's maybe upcoming or that's currently ongoing I have nothing to plug so I'll just get myself out of the way uh, but you can feel free to at me John underscore Riga on uh, the Twitters Cliff is there anything you yeah. anything in terms of photography work or anything where people can can find what you're working on 
Um, no, fairly simple to see what I'm up to. Uh, my website, clifflucas.com, um, has some work and also some social links. Um, but I would say if you're looking for a creative project to discover or support to, uh, to check out Bottle Condition Film, uh, feature-length Lambic documentary that hopefully will get released uh, sometime this year. Um, I've had a very, very small part in that, but uh, it's been super exciting to watch that come along. So um, yeah, check it out, support it, share it with your friends. Um, that would be my plug for the day. And I would certainly recommend if you're looking for a photographer to give Cliff's, a website, Cliff's website a look and get in touch with him because his work is really fantastic. Brendan, uh, what about you, Belgian Smack, maybe? If you, is there anything there or you've got any articles coming up soon? Yeah, so obviously, you know, I've had time to think about, um, you know, what I'm going to be doing sort of later on in the year in terms of some uh, longer form narrative articles and podcasts. So those people um, that are interested, you know, belgiansmack.com, hopefully, you know, maybe later on this year, We'll have a couple of new exciting things on it and you know i'm i'm excited to get back into doing that great all right um that's it for today it's been a wonderful chat uh i look forward to sharing a drink with you soon stay safe stay well i hope the families all stay well get through this in one piece and we'll speak again in the future thanks guys thank you thanks Ellen. thanks And that's it for today's episode of Cabin Fever. Many thanks to our guests and to all you listeners out there. If you enjoyed today's show, do make sure to subscribe and we'd really appreciate it if you'd give us a review on whatever podcast platform you're using. Until the next time. <laughs>